are plugged in to the Outlet Radio Show with Azania Shanghai. Good people, great to have you back with us again this week. I am your host Azania Shange, and you are plugged into the Outlet Radio Show. Today, I am hanging with my boy in the what is this called? The toy box? The Nerds Toy Box. The Nerds Toy Box. Yes. I'm here with <laughs> producer, DJ, futurist, Mr. Len. Hi, Mr. Len. Hi, Azania Shange, <laughs> aka. JBQ. Oh, God, I forgot. <laughs> okay, so, okay, we're going to have to take a moment to explain JBQ. So, um, you've, you've all heard me mention before, especially if you heard the first show um, for season two, you heard me mention that in the two years' time that I wasn't doing the outlet radio show, I was producing Riot Radio Show, and Mr. Len was one of the hosts of the Riot Radio Show, and... I think you came up with that. Was it you or was it Guy who came well, up with that? Guy would call you the Shea Butter Queen. Oh, that's that, right. You know, that's way too much for me to say. <laughs> so I just called you Shea BQ. So, yeah, this is crazy. So I am really happy and, and particularly honored to have Mr. Lynn on my show because he's so dope. He's a dope individual. And he's like my family. So this feels kind of like, this feels like, I'm just hanging out. So this isn't really work. We're not working today. This is just hanging out, chatting. Seeing what's good. Same old story. Chatting uh, away. <laughs> so we were having a conversation leading up to this interview, just talking about all the different hats that Len has worn over the span of his career. I mean, so many people know him as a DJ, but he is, he is really so much more than that. You care to share all of the different roles that you've played? I played Othello. No, I, uh, I hate, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, DJ, producer, label owner, voiceover artist, um, manager, consultant, and uh, host. Yeah, there's been a couple. Yeah. Also, you know, I guess I'm a cannabis enthusiast, <laughs> and I'm, I'm here. Oh, yeah. I'm here to to talk you down off, <laughs> off your trip. <laughs> Oh my God! You know what? It's too soon. Still too soon. <laughs> you know? Do you remember when I first, when we first started out with the Riot Radio Show, and I said to you, like, okay, what's the difference between a good DJ and a bad DJ? And you were like, just you wait, you'll see. And then I went on like a boat cruise, and it was the worst experience of my life. The DJ was horrible, and I was like, wow, I understand. I've also gone to one of your shows and or one of your performances and I've just been like, this man is insane. Like you clearly have a gift. Like you're just amazing because your music selections are crazy. You know, I started DJing really. I started DJing when I was 12. I think the first party 
first real party I did, I was 15. That's crazy. And uh, one, it's addicting. Well, at least for me, it was. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a certain kind of power trip because I'm, uh, I'm controlling the mood of a room. Right. So it's like, oh man, like I can, I can totally crush you guys' good time right now if I wanted to. You know, mm -hmm. I can be like, hey, you know what? I'm only going to play uh, <laughs> poker. You know, I can, I can clear this floor if I wanted to. It, it's definitely uh, some of it's definitely ego driven, you know, because I'm 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 hip hop, you know. So like, a lot of it's for the props. And someone comes up to me, yo, man, I got laid because of your party the other night. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, you know. My my brothers have been they've come to a couple of parties with me, and uh, they like to watch the people on the floor. So I did something one night where it's like you know it's just it's just a good moment, a good hip hop moment. And uh, I remember I played they reminisce over you, and this dude starts crying. Oh gosh! And somehow like my my brother like you know got into a conversation with him. He's like, yo, he played every song that. That only me and my homeboy like. He said, and then he played they reminisce. He said, but you know, my homeboy ain't here, he died, you know? Mm -hmm. He's like, so it made me think. It's like, yo, I just started crying. Oh wow. But in my head, I'm just like, haha, I'm killing this party, son. <laughs> you know? And being a DJ, you have to be a great respecter. I don't know if a respecter is a word, but you have to have a heavy yeah, respect for music and 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 the effect that it has on people. I've done parties where uh I remember after after they killed Amadou Diallo and I was doing uh, Joe's Pub. It was a, a weekly party I would do at Joe's Pub. And this is before Joe's was really into playing hip hop. And uh, yo, I just wasn't in a dancing mood. I didn't, I didn't see anything that we should be dancing about. But it was, uh, I did this set where it was it was all just socially driven, conscious. It was the first time like I ever tried anything like it. And you know, at, on a night where, you know, it's a, it's a Saturday night, People come out the party, but like you know, I'm like, yo, they just killed this guy. You know, something like in New York, like we're in New yeah. York City. Yeah. Like this, this isn't, you know, this isn't uh, the uh, the apartheid years of South Africa. This is New York City. Right. And uh, just just watching the appreciation of people being affected by music that they knew, but realizing that this is that this is that moment. You know, like like yeah, you you there's there's a time where you you have to pay attention. You know, and. Uh, I got a standing ovation and it was strange you know because it was like yeah yo, I, I didn't i didn't play one record for you to dance to but the music did what it was supposed to do right and it was purposely done like this is before serato i brought these this is vinyl you know i brought these records out to play them mm -hmm. for this specific purpose and uh like it was it was moving to me you know like i when, when, when people say, like, cause people will say to me, like, oh, you know, you seem to know a lot of music. And sometimes it's, it's not just about knowing it as much as it is about knowing how to play it. I realize now that I know you, um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Well, now I know I know a few DJs now, but now that I know you, you're probably the one that I'm closest to. I've gained a, a great respect for what it is that you guys do. and how you make it look so effortless though it is not and um yeah it's pretty impressive so i'm curious to know in addition to being a dj and a producer you are a futurist what what, what yes. does that mean in the field of hip-hop or even just more than hip-hop field of black music 
Uh-huh. I consider myself a futurist. I uh, I definitely know trends before they start, or I'll I'll indulge in a style or sound before it uh, before it's popular, right. which doesn't always work out for me. <laughs> because like doing certain things early, so because like you're the only, like you're one of the <laughs> you're one of a few people doing it, and and people are like I don't know if I like this, and like trust me, you're gonna like this in like two years. Really, two years out. Two three years. I remember in 2001, I did a hardcore record on my album, Pity the Fool. And it, it was like, I got the worst response ever. People were like, oh, this is horrible. You know, cut to a couple of years later, Jay-Z is doing a record with Linkin Park. And everyone's like, he's a genius. <laughs> so I was like, wait a minute. And, you know, like I said, it's not like I'm the first person to do it. Run DMC did a record with Aerosmith. And, you know, there was a whole uh, soundtrack where they had, you know, uh, rock bands doing joints with uh with, with, with hip hop artists. So you know, it it was about with, with that one. It was about knowing the cycle mm-hmm. and and knowing the the balance. So did it ever come around? Like, did people ever hear "Pity the Fool" and go, "That's a head headbanger"? No, 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 they don't. Because people, especially in hip hop, people don't like to go back. Only only like a hip hop scholar would do that. Okay, so now I'm okay. So this is where I'm confused. If you're creating music that people you say in two years you're gonna really love this, but they don't go back, then how do people ever get to know the greatness of what you do? Well, there's my issue, as I. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're not doing this interview in Malibu. <laughs> this is why my house is in Hillside, New Jersey. <laughs> And I'm, I didn't fly you out to the French Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then let's let's jump into that. Like, how do you deal with the disappointment? And beyond dealing with the disappointment, how do you stay in this? Because you've been doing this for a long time. And you, your passion has now, as far as I can tell, it hasn't waned. You know, when I listen to your, your radio show on Beat Miners, what's it called? Oh, funking up the program. Oh my god. When I listen to your radio show, Funkin' Up the Program, I can tell that you your passion for music and of bringing cuts that people probably never heard of or haven't heard in years. It's just incredible. Like I think you enjoy blowing people's mind and having them be like, "Wait, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What is that? What are you cuz I'm, you know, I'll be hitting you like, "Wait, tell me what's that? The 5-minute mark. What song is that?" Like so I can tell that your passion is still there, but how does it how does it remain when you deal with as an artist, you know you have a vision, you're creating something that you feel is going to be great and you know you realize some people may not get it right off. How do you deal with the ups and downs of that where sometimes people get it, sometimes people don't? How do you stay I deal in with it, it badly. There's a lot of crying, <laughs> there's a lot of spit and snot. Uh no, you know, I um, first off, yeah, definitely as as a DJ, I, I I love that someone will go, yo, what was that? Yeah, because then I I I, I did my job right. Yeah, it probably doesn't mean as much when it's me because I don't know too much music. Doesn't matter. It's not that you don't know a lot of music. You just know what you know. You know. Yeah. It does. That doesn't mean it's not a lot. It's what I play. You haven't heard yet. Mm-hmm. But a lot of stuff that I play, like, you know, some of it from the 60s, the 70s. So it's a, it's before your time. It doesn't mean you, you would never hear it. As far as new music, yeah, you didn't hear it. 
yet. It's it's new, you know? You know, listeners, I got to say, this is a very kind lens that's happening right now. When we were live on the air, there was a lot more clowning going on about what I didn't know. <laughs> so I'm really like, I'm looking at him sideways, a little screw face, like, really? You're going to explain it all nicely like that? He never, never said it to me like this before. So anyway. Well, okay. Let's let's put things in perspective. Yeah, let's clean up. We got space, nothing but space and opportunity. Come on. When when someone from Brownsville, oh god, doesn't know hip hop record, <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, because you, oh my I've been to Brownsville. My grandmother, I used to stay with my grandmother sometimes on Blake Avenue what in Brownsville. Do with anything. You would hear music outside. <laughs> People. People play, and it's not like, and I'm I'm not I'm not trying to one dimensionalize Brownsville, Brooklyn, but I'm just saying for the most part, everyone, <laughs> everyone there is listening to rap music. So, and you're like, I never heard this Wu Tang record before. You're like, wait a minute, this was, and it, it, it's not like an album cut. <laughs> It'll be like M E T H O D, man. I, did, like, wait. I have heard that song. I have. <laughs> Stop, stop trying to play me. Like, wait, Asanji, you don't know that song? Stop trying to play me. And you'd be like, Milk is chilling. <laughs> you're like, who, who, who's that? I know that song. <laughs> so back to my original question. Yeah. Uh, but I think your question was, how do I deal with it? Yeah. And uh, what? why do I keep going? How do you keep going? In the face of like the, the ups and downs of this industry because i'd be cashing large checks yo <laughs> no i uh i always say i'm a glutton for punishment i just i look at it as there's no there's no ending so you can't quit because there's no end you know yeah the only time i can stop playing music is when i'm dead there's there's no plan b this this is i believe this is what i'm here to do so like you know people People not being into what I'm doing or me not making the money ain't from a lack of me trying, you know? Yeah. It just means that you haven't caught on yet. I might become a multi-billionaire at the age of 85, but even then, it, it really wouldn't matter to me because I'd still be looking for music that I love to play. So, you know, one of the things that I found really fascinating was that we've worn a lot of hats in the span of our career. And I was curious to know from you, how did you embrace that? Like when you look back over your life and you see that you've kind of done different things, some of them are not giant steps away from what you what you do. Uh-huh. Some of them are just simply a pivot. But did you ever judge yourself, feel like maybe I need to be more focused, maybe wondering if this was a bit scatterbrained? Because I know from myself, I've I've worked as I work as an actor, I'm a producer, I've done some directing, I've done some writing. And I know within my industry, it's a bit frowned upon for you to kind of present all of that when you walk into the room. Everybody's like, okay, you need to narrow it down. And I always felt really frustrated that that never felt natural for me to just be one thing. I felt like I'm so many different types of an artist. So I was curious to know for you, in your industry, is that anything that you ever felt was an issue for you? Uh, in, in dealing with certain people, it definitely is. People are intimidated by knowledge. So if you know how something works, it's hard for someone to, to get over on you 
or people feel like they have to do a better job mm-hmm. because oh you you know how this works so I, I can't slack you know but what's funny is from how how i see it it i can be i guess more empathetic to your plight as a manager producer rapper dj because i i do those things or i have done those things yeah so as an artist if i'm giving you advice you know i, I can give you advice from the aspect of management but this time's like you know i'm i'm on my my artist shit and you know i'm all emotion yeah you know so like <laughs> I might sometimes I might and I'll tell you I might be the wrong person for you to ask right now you know so if you're asking me about someone jerking you you know and all day I've been thinking about the people that have ripped me off (laughs) you know I'm gonna tell you look I'm the wrong person for you to ask that right now because I'm like hey man let's Let's get in the truck yeah let's get in the truck I got a let's ride on these fools you know (laughs) wow well I mean my attitude about it has changed. I can admit that. To be in this role as a host and to be in a position where in many ways I serve my audience. So I have certain questions that I think reflect that of my audience. Mm-hmm. I feel like because I've done so many different things in my life, it's made my conversations a bit more well-rounded right. than just kind of coming from one perspective. So I have an appreciation for it now, but for a long time, I felt like, what am I going to do? Because, you know, even my family would be like, Zania, focus. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are you majoring in? Like, all of that. You know, there was always like, I had to pick one thing. So the pivot that you took into producing, it sounds like a natural choice to kind of go, especially um, to go from controlling a room to now having a great say-so on an album. And just production in general, I don't think people totally understand what it is that a producer does. I'm I'm not a producer simply because I know how to use, you know, this equipment. Yeah. Knowing how to put music together, knowing how to, to get that final result right. is a producer's job. So, like, I, I used to always get upset when people would talk about... Trey didn't make that beat. He's not supposed to, you know. Like he's not supposed to sit around all day, you know, sampling records and you know trying to figure out. It's like no, like I can figure out how to make your sound bigger, mm-hmm. better, and I, I I can make it work so that people will want to listen to it more than once. I'm not afraid of the work, you know. What what I I am opposed to is. I'm putting in work and here you are like there's 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 so many people that will throw DJ in front of their name or tell you that they're a producer and you know couldn't tell you the first thing about what it is that they're doing you know so you know you produced um, you produced uh, Mila Machinko's album yes uh, 9am blues yeah that album is dope no thank you I love that album Mila's voice is ridiculous. Yeah. Your your music is crazy. Like, it's all, it's just great. It's a great marriage. Uh, a lot of what that album is, is reinventing the blues for that project. It was called 9am Blues for a reason, you know, beyond just the subject matter. So, even if I use a blues sample, I'll bring in 
say like with uh, the song Employment, it's a blues record that I sampled and uh, I put my brother because he, he, he plays really well, you know? So I put organ on top of it. Mm-hmm. So even when even when I'm, I'm, I'm giving direction to, to my brother on, on how to play and, and what to play, it's even he has to, to have some knowledge of music so right. he can he can get the reference. The so reference. if I say, hey, man, I need you to play this like Charles Erlin, you know, that doesn't mean anything to to some kid that, that just started playing trap music or. <laughs> but, you know, Charles Erlin is is a is a great organist, you know, mm-hmm. um, Charles Erlin plays the organ on bad Michael Jackson's bad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he's known for playing jazz, you know. So, yeah, you, you gotta be willing to put in the work. Did you study music in school, like in in um, grade school? Um, well, there was there's music theory that goes with with learning. What were your grades like in school? Uh, they were decent. I I got I, I hated school. Okay. I hated it with a passion. When when I told my parents. I want to become a, a producer and, you know, I want to get into music. They were a little, you know, a little worried, but I remember my father was just like, know what you're doing, you know, know your path and, and, and you know, try not to deviate from it too much. There, there will be times that, yeah, you know, you, you have to, you have to make this turn or, you know, you have to stop and, you know, let something else happen so that you can keep going. You know, you, you know, if, if there's a wall in your way, you know, yeah, you're gonna have to learn how to pop a wall or break it down. You know, mm-hmm. but you have to know what that wall is, what that wall is representing, who that wall is, if there's snakes on the other side of that wall. You know, like that—that's part of the passion. You know, it all comes down to what exactly is your plan, where's your passion lie. You know, so yeah, school for me was was really whatever. I did school just so I wouldn't be a dummy. I want to be able to, to hold a decent conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. And there was girls there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to come on my humble little radio show. I mean, I always love to sit and talk to you. It's great to be back here in the toy box because I haven't been here since we were doing Riot. So this is nice. I can't wait to try on some new stuff. He has, he has like <laughs> masks. Like, he loves, if, if anyone doesn't know this about Lynn, he loves cosplay other than he loves, like, characters, and he has, like, Star Wars masks, I see Iron Man over there, it's like, it's like the coolest room, I brought my nephew here, and he was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I remember in, in he the was car, like, he was like, I won't go here, this is gonna be stupid, walked in here, he was like, ooh. <laughs> so, um, I love coming here, because I'm always, like, looking around, it's so fun. But thank you for for bringing me back and allowing me to come back with my show. You know, you're you're, you're, you're a good conversationalist. I have fun. Yeah, this was great. This was really awesome, and I thank you for doing this. Uh, but before we go, can you please tell our listeners how they can follow you? Sure, you, you, you can follow me on Instagram at Look at Len and on Twitter at The Real Mr. Len. All right, thanks, Mr. Len, and to all my listeners, thank you for plugging into the Outlet Radio Show. We look forward to bringing you more great conversation next week. So until we meet again, take care.
Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Mr. Lynn, and you are plugged into the Outlet Radio Show with Azania Shange.